eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Enough of the international window. The weekend preview is here. We got Jimmy Conrad. We got James Bench. We got the debut for Marco Messina because Napoli faced Juventus and so much Serie action. Manchester United, Cristiano Ronaldo returns. We got so much action all over the globe. Weekend preview. Kegolasso begins right now. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Weekend Preview. It's good to be back. First of all, let me just welcome very quickly Jimmy Conrad. Jimmy, I want to welcome you and thank you. USMNT, you're happy, I guess, right? Actually, I'm emotionally spent, everybody. It has been a roller coaster of emotions, but I will say, despite my frustration through a good portion of this qualifying window, we've only lost once out of our last 22 games. So, Onwards and upwards we go. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And thank you so much for taking care of Kegolasso during the qualifiers. You and Heath Pierce absolutely killed it. And welcoming back because he's been Captain Flake recently. James <laughs> Bench, how are you? Give it to me, James. Where have you been, James win. Bench? The transfer window was was open. I was assessing my options. I didn't want to commit, pick up an injury. Uh, and now I'm I'm back like Harry Kane. That was always the plan all along. I was never flirting with elsewhere. I was never, you know, making eyes at NBC or ESPN. I'm back. <laughs> like Harry Kane, you didn't read the small print and you realized that you had to stay here at CBS. Welcome, James Bench. Welcome, Jimmy Conrad. I mentioned Marco Messina will join us later on to discuss Serie A action because it is packed and heavy and ready to go. By the way, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please be so kind to leave a five-star rating and review. We're on Spotify, we're on Stitcher, and of course, CBS Sports and your CBS Sports app. And of course, you know that we are on YouTube. We are growing our subscribers and we want to keep on growing with you. All right, let's start things off. We're going to obviously begin with the Premier League. But before we do that, gentlemen, I wanted your thoughts on a few things. Obviously, the international break came alongside COVID, which is the obviously the ongoing issue along the globe. And it doesn't exclude this beautiful game and you know the uh brazilian federation specifically was preventing brazilians who didn't travel with brazil to play this weekend also argentinians as well we know that some players had to leave early some you know there's a lot of intricate situations here by the way some games were postponed in la liga because of the south american world cup qualifiers as well so jimmy let's begin with you for a second I, the latest that we have i think is that there's going to be some kind of resolution where these players are going to play but just how it, it just goes to show how this international break specifically and it's not going to go away just how intricate it is how difficult it is how complex it is for everybody to really just be happy in the end 
actually, I just love all the pettiness that's happening between federations <laughs> and leagues and clubs. There's a lot of pettiness going on. Oh, you don't want to release a player? Well, then we are going to get FIFA to come in and ban your player for a couple of games. And so I get it. There's an emphasis of importance, especially for World Cup qualifying, and, and players want to play in that. You know, it's, it's something to represent your club, and that's who pays the majority of your salary, but there's something else to represent your country. So I can understand why it's a little sticky, but I'm hopeful to your point that there's some resolution where everybody can be happy. Yeah, I mean, I, James, I, I how do you make it. of it? Yeah, I, I, I get why. I do really get why. You know, guys like Emmy Martinez and um, Gio Lo Celso wanted to make this journey, but I just think you know, international football wasn't ready for it, or you know, or club football wasn't ready for international football to come back in this way in the middle of a season. And um, I think what's very frustrating is this isn't going to end well for Brazil for Argentina to, to pick these fights. They're not going to get the, these players next time. Um, it's so frustrating, so self-defeating by um, the national federations. You know, I know that they want the best players possible, um, but you have to kind of, you, you know, as a federation, as a club, you're, you're underlying, your, your main focus should be on the health of your players. And it is, you know, it is a risk to, to travel uh, cross-continent uh, in the current climate. And I wish that, kind of the players and the federations had just been a bit more considerate of that and had been willing to take a step back. And, you know, Argentina and Brazil have some great players that aren't based in Europe. I think it all could have worked in a much less argumentative fashion, but welcome to modern football where everything is an argument. Absolutely. And then you just double up with the uh, Conmebol. Welcome to Conmebol because it really is. <laughs> Listen, I just said like, there shouldn't have been a Copa America in the first place. I really don't want to like get into this mm. so much, but like there was a beautiful window there to not necessarily, you know, overload, especially South American matchups and really just have a window to do something. And now, by the way, because it's a three-match window, we got October coming up, Jimmy. We got November as well. You know, this is not going to get easier, especially as the weather changes in Europe, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to get harder. Yeah, and what I would add to what Benj was saying was it's mu it must be easy for the English FA and because they can play. All their players can play in these World Cup qualifiers but the South Americans can't, you know, so I can understand why it feels a little unfair for those national team players. But yes, obviously, all the logistics of it are a bit of a nightmare. And to your point, Luis, it's just this vicious cycle of, OK, great, we got to deal with this once a month for the next five, six months. This doesn't really help us domestically. So I don't know if there's any clear solutions, but you're hoping that some sensibilities will come in, some some, some clearer heads and, and, and smarter minds will prevail or whatever the phrase is. I completely got that one wrong. but but that that this will get solved in a way where, again, we find that happy medium, but I, I don't think it's going to go there. I think it's going to get kind of ugly. So, See, so I don't know. I think Arsene Wenger might have the solution for this. You know? <laughs> no, no. What a segue. <laughs> Uh, you, mean, uh, you mean he took everybody to Doha and uh, wined and dined them and everybody just agreed that, yeah, a two-year World Cup. What do you think of that, James Bench? Every two years, a World Cup. I, I don't love it. I, I, and it's interesting that you see someone like Gareth Bale, who in theory would have more chance of playing at really World benefit from a two year world cup. Yeah. It was like, no, nah, I'm all right. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I mean, I do. The one thing I'd say is I do like the idea of having all the internationals in a sort of condensed window in October. And that would kind of solve this issue. And I think clubs would be much more willing to say, well, we'll eat, you know, eat 10 days here if it's only happening once. Two year world cup. Uh, I don't know. I'm not that angry about it because it just kind of feels like something like something crass and commercial was going to happen anyway. But 
no one has explained why just having it more often doesn't just mean that it'll be the same teams qualifying every two years or, you know, I mean, bless, maybe this is just for the USA so that they finally get a chance to play it. Oh, God, that was a, that was a right turn. That was very unnecessary. I don't even know what's (laughs) happening there, but, but I will add that when I see the proposal from Arsene Wenger, they want an international tournament every summer. So my big question is when do the players actually get to rest? When is there some time off for them to recharge and, and, and to actually just reflect on how they can get better as play? There's no time for them to ever sit. And I, and I think that would be a big detriment to, to the game overall. And I think it would actually hurt more than help. Yeah, very well said. Let's be honest. This is a money-making scheme masquerading <laughs> yeah. itself as trying to. I mean, this is the main revenue that FIFA get are from World Cups. Mm-hmm. So why instead of making it once every four years, make more money once every two years? It's pretty simple, really. You're just trying to masquerade it as something else. Well, tell us what you think, by the way. James Ben, Jimmy Conrad, myself, and Marco Messina as well, by the way, on Twitter, right? Kegolasso Pod. We'd love to hear your thoughts. All right, let's get to the action, everybody. Let's discuss. Let's begin, of course. With the return of the Premier League, and I don't know if you've heard of this guy, uh, James Bench, but Cristiano Ronaldo is back with Manchester United. He and Man United will host Newcastle United. Ronaldo is the biggest talking point here. Obviously, he will be taking some part in some way. I'm imagining he starts. I'm not sure. Give me your thoughts on United against Newcastle. And then, Jimmy, of course, you as well with your betting tip. Well, it's quite, I mean... I want to say it's quite a good game for uh, Ronaldo to come back in, but Newcastle are getting better defensively. They've got a bit of punch on the counter-attack. These, yeah, I'm saying all this. is Cristiano Ronaldo against a... A, a bang average, a bang average team. <laughs> it, this is going one way, and that way is uh, him opening his account with a bang, which, God, that's going to be unbearable, because if you've been on Man United's Twitter feed over the last few days, weeks... It's constant. And imagine if he scores, it's going to just, it's going to be oh, exhausting. Yeah. It, I mean, listen, like, uh, I think Jimmy and I are going to be doing a Kegolas of it right after, regardless of what happens. Can you imagine if he scores? But go on, James. Absolutely. So you, you see Ronaldo starting, I guess, right? Because no, like, I think he'll come off the bench. I mean, okay. I, from what I've heard, he's been quarantining uh, and, and will be until quite late in the day, training on his own. Of course, fabulous athlete, but you know. Man United could just start Mason Greenwood. Um, you know, I've made this point a lot in writing and on on HQ as well. They don't really need Ronaldo. They never did. They should have bought a holding midfielder instead. Mm. There'll be games when you go, gosh, thank God we had Ronaldo. He scored the the winning goal when it looked like no one else would swing the game. But, you know, against Newcastle, like you can roll out whoever you want up front and you should you should have a good chance with the quality of players behind you. So you might be able to tell I'm not that enthused about it. Um, there will be great moments, no doubt, in purely footballing sense from having Ronaldo back in the Premier League. But this kind of seems like a, uh, if you were setting a fixture list, this would be a great way for Ronaldo to kind of come back with a bang. Okay, I'm going to jump in here with the fun facts. Uh, Steve Bruce, who used to play for Manchester United as the manager of Newcastle, he's only won once of his previous 26 matches against his old club. So that doesn't bode well. Man United are undefeated in 33 of their last 37 against Newcastle in all competitions. Look at Bench is out. He doesn't even want to hear it because he knows all these stats. Well, are he true. read the small print in his contract, and I think <laughs> he is calling. Man United, Man United are undefeated in 32 of their last 35 matches in the Premier League in general. They've scored at least three goals in their last four home matches against Newcastle. 
They've seen over two and a half goals in their last four home matches against Newcastle. Newcastle have conceded at least two goals in the last. It's just so bad. It's never, it's not even, it's Newcastle are going to get absolutely slaughtered here. I actually hope that Ronaldo starts. I think that it's at Old Trafford. If it was maybe away from home, bring him on as a super sub, but you got this guy. Everybody wants to see him. He hasn't been on a United shirt since 2009. Like, Let's get him out there right from the get-go and then maybe take him off after 60 minutes if he's not feeling up to it. If that happens, if, you got to make sure you check the lineup before you make any bets. But CR7 to score first, plus 200. The guy lives for the big occasion. He loves making a splash. He loves being... And actually curious when he first scores, is he going to point to the crest or the name on the back? That's up for discussion as well. I like Bruno Fernandez to get an assist anytime, plus 150. I guess the big question for everybody listening and to you, Luis and, and Benj, do you think Newcastle have it in them to score? I don't know, ultimately. And United do have, at times, give up opportunities. But if you like United, uh, I think United's going to win. But if you think that Newcastle's going to score, United to win and both teams to score plus 170 is the way to go. If if you think that uh, cr is going to score, United to win, both teams to score plus 240. Those are the, the best values I have. It's pretty one-sided to United on Caesar Sportsbook this weekend. So... That, that's the fun stuff I found for everybody. No, beautiful stats there. By the way, Newcastle have opened the scoring in six of their last uh, uh, eight Premier League meetings with Manchester United. So maybe maybe yeah. there's a goal there. But to your point, I, I also see just a Manchester United win. It's whether Ronaldo uh, starts or comes in late. By the way, 12 and a half million on fantasy. I don't know if you want to spend that much. And also, by the way, if you have Bruno Fernandes, to your point, Jimmy, a few weeks ago, who's going to take those pens now? I'm imagining he's going to leave it to Fernandes for the moment. But, no, you know, what, who takes, he takes it for Portugal. No, no, it's always going <laughs> it's to Ronaldo. It's got to be in his contract. Of course yeah, what, what am I talking about? To that point, James Bench, very quickly, I wanted you to uh, enlighten our American audience about the 3 p.m. blackout. Uh, in the UK, of course, because uh, we here in the US, uh, we got NBC or whatever. I mean, I don't want to quick promote uh, your future employer, James. <laughs> but, uh, but in England, it's a little bit different. Everybody should know, you know, uh, there is a 3 p.m. blackout due to the pyramid. Explain a little bit and why not everybody will be able to watch Ronaldo Manchester United. Yeah, it's a great question. So this is sort of rule that law that you would think would date back to sort of the mid 19th century and have been made for, <laughs> you know, the invention of cinema or whatever. But no, since 1987 uh, in the United Kingdom, um, games have not been broadcast between the times of 2.45 p.m. and 5.15. It's always quite fun that that can mean you end up missing like the first minutes of a classic or whatever. The logic to this is is about preserving the match day going experience lower down the football pyramid. So, you know, not just your championship teams, but right the way down to non-league. English football has a fantastic, vibrant football pyramid that that does go deeper than I would say pretty much any other nation in Europe. You know, clubs near me, the likes of a Dulwich Hamlet, would get several hundred people on a Saturday, particularly a nice Saturday in September if the sun's shining. And I think there is a real fear within the sport that that could be lost if it's wall-to-wall football. So three o'clock Saturday is very much the traditional kickoff time in England. And that is a preserve now, no no football. Obviously Sky and BT could potentially at the last minute have tried to move uh, the scheduling of this game. They decided not to, that they were happy with next week where Ronaldo will probably be playing against West Ham. So it has, it has led to a bit of debate, the idea that fans should be able to see the return of a very good footballer I have to say, from my personal point of view, I don't think it's worth gambling the uh, attendances at top flight football uh, or a lower league football uh, across the country just so a few people can watch Ronaldo that didn't have tickets for the game beforehand. Um, but yeah, it's going to be quite odd. It will be very odd that a, 
uh, I won't be able to watch. Actually, I'll be at Leicester Man City, so I'm not that bothered. But I won't be able to watch that game. Um, and you guys in the States will. Um, it's curious. It's a bit strange, but I can still see the logic to it. I don't know what you guys think. It's probably in that. Well, uh, Jimmy, I mean, I would love your thoughts. I, I grew up with it, obviously, as well. And by the way, so a, a really great thing in England as well. I, I know that it still happens because my cousin always WhatsApps me about it. You know, they don't, it's much harder now, but you would like not watch anything if you can't go to the game and wait until match of the day later on and see if you can get the highlights because they do a good uh, package. But Jimmy, what do you make of it? Uh, you know, because obviously this is alien over here in the US when we're just overwhelmed and uh, gifted with just matches all over the place. Yeah, I feel like it's a luxury that we get so many games uh, from all over the world, the top leagues in the world, so whenever we want to watch them. So I could understand the struggle from, from people in England and all the blackouts. I don't think it's isolated to this. It just seems very difficult to want to watch the games you want to watch when you want to watch them. And because TV and content consumption has changed so much and that we can watch whatever we want when we want to watch it with Netflix or on YouTube or whatever it is. That's got to be really frustrating. And I understand why James is referencing going back to the mid 19th century. Like we're living in the stone age right now with these TV rights and the accessibility for fans that love the game so much. They just want to see Ronaldo play in his first game back in 12 years. I mean, I get the draw and the feel of that. So that said, I have gone over, I have enjoyed the, the lower league experience and seeing how important that part of it is. And that that vibrancy that James talks about. And and I, I agree with James. I, I don't think you want to lose that. I don't think you want to. That's the touchstone. That's what makes the game special over there. And, and it's that uh, that that sense of community that you could lose if everything gets too corporate. Yeah, no, well said. Here's an idea. Just show the highlights on Twitter. Like if he scores, just, just watch the goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. the game. It, it's fine. All right, let, let's move on. Let's discuss another game, which I feel has the possibility for a lot of action, but you never know. Jurgen Klopp against Marcelo Bielsa as Liverpool and Leeds face each other. Jimmy, let's begin with you and some betting tips. Yeah, I just, what I find interesting about this, Leeds haven't won yet this season. I feel like maybe they got that sophomore curse, you know, where people start to figure them out. It's going to be a little bit more difficult for their players that had success. I'm looking at Patrick Bamford to, to replicate what he did the season before. And now teams maybe are a little bit better prepared for Marcelo Bielsa and what he brings to the table. I will say, though, that it would be a major surprise if this game wasn't entertaining. I'll go there. And it's worth remembering that Leeds did hold Arsenal Liverpool, Man City, and Man United to draws at home last season. And this one is at home. Now, Liverpool have won seven of their last eight away from home. There have been over two and a half goals in Liverpool's last four away games. Uh, Leeds are undefeated in their last seven home matches. So this has kind of got draw written all over it. And the draw is actually tremendous value. Liverpool are the favorites, but the draw is plus 285. Now, if you're a Liverpool fan, and I run into this when I'm trying to make predictions and odds and picks for the U.S. men's national team. I'm emotionally invested in the U.S. I'll never bet against them. So if you're thinking it's the Reds all the way, then I think Liverpool to win in over two and a half goals might be the way to go. It's plus 130 or Liverpool to win in both teams to score plus 210. And without Allison available, without Fabinho available, potentially, right, all the all the Brazilian players, unless they can find the resolution. Uh, Nabi Keita get, was in that coup d'etat down in Guinea which is crazy, you know. So there's a little bit that's going on behind the scenes that could impact the team. Now we still don't know exactly what's going to happen. But I also found some tremendous, that I might just put a flyer on, the draw and over two and a half goals is plus 800. So I might throw five or $10 on that because I could see a 2-2, a 3-3 here. If you remember it at Anfield last season to kick off, it was a 4-3 thing. So Leeds can hang with Liverpool. and and But the last time these two played, 
uh, at Ellen Road, it was one one. So so yeah, it's it's a good one. I, I don't know. I'm kind of curious as to your thoughts, but I could see a draw here in plus two eighty five is kind of where I would play it. It's a nice one to throw into the parlay as well because it'll up the value a lot. I'm finding it really hard to read Liverpool early this season because obviously those first two games were a really mm-hmm. nice, easy start. Norwich didn't really offer much. Burnley maybe even less. And then the Chelsea game was so warped by that that yeah. red card around half time that it, it you, I don't I didn't really know. And you know, everyone we all came away from that just thinking Chelsea are a great defense, not necessarily everything anything about Liverpool. Mm-hmm. But you know, like Jimmy said, these games last season were fantastic. I remember the one; it was the one at Anfield early in the season, and it was four three or something yeah, yeah, mad like that. Yeah, it was madness. It's crazy. It's Leeds, the the joy of Leeds. Um, I suspect, unless sometimes you're a supporter, although you, you probably take the the smooth with the rough, really, is that it's it's never not in the same way. It's never not real intensity. You know, it probably is not wise to press Liverpool high up the pitch. You know, whether they play Fabinho, Henderson, whoever they play in midfield, you know, they they can pass through your press and then they're running in, in broken play and they are still one of the best teams in the world mm. at doing that. It's not, that's not sensible, but Leeds aren't going to play any other way. And that Leeds way sometimes pays off because Virgil van Dijk, we've not really seen him tested yet. Lukaku gave him some difficult moments and there's no lead striker. Patrick Bamford's not going to overpower Virgil van Dijk, but Sheer weight of numbers might overpower Virgil van Dijk. We don't really know who who will partner him. Robertson and Alexander Arnold still settling back into things. I'd say this season, so it's you know it's there to it's there they're there to get at just now. It's going to be fun. It's going to be silly. I think you do have to kind of. There's a reason why the bookies have got Liverpool as strong favourites, but I don't. I would be very surprised if Jimmy's bets on on high scoring games prove to be wrong. I think this will be. Mad fun, so it's going to be nil-nil, isn't it? <laughs> I draw, it, does, it does seem appealing. Leeds are unbeaten in their last seven Premier League home matches, uh, their longest run without defeat at Ellen Road. But Liverpool have lost just once of the last nine league away games against Leeds, uh, going down 4-3 in November 2000, by the way. Mark Viduca, if you remember that one. Um, here's one thing. The thing about Marcelo Bielsa, everybody, I think, is that and his coaching is that because it's so energy-driven, consistency is usually the victim. So like, you know, because you can't just, you can't be charged like for 90 minutes without showing some cracks, showing some mistakes. And to James's point, you've seen a little bit of that. I'm going with the draw as well, but I think a high scoring draw, Jimmy, would that be appealing? Yeah, for me it is because a high scoring draw is the draw in the over two and a half goals plus 800 is, is crazy value. It's a little bit higher than I expected. There are a couple of things to take into consideration. Obviously, the, the the ban on the Brazilians, whether they can play or not. And from a Leeds perspective, when you lose Rafinha, that's a bit of a big loss. If he does go out, though, Daniel James, who just got signed for Manchester United, could slot in and, and play a role in this one. So I'm curious about that. Uh, Click could be doubtful. Junior Furpo could be doubtful. So they might be missing a few players that could tip the balance in their favor, at least make it a little bit more difficult on Liverpool. But um, And then, obviously, if Allison doesn't play, Kelleher comes in. And I, he's proven that he can be a good shot stopper, but he does. He's young. He can still make mistakes from time to time, and Leeds could pounce on that. Bamford just got called into the English national team, so he should have a confidence boost in, in that capacity. So there are there are plenty of narratives to, to to suggest that Leeds could get a result out of this. I just don't see Leeds winning. Either they're going to lose or they're going to get the draw. I just, I just feel like Liverpool, though they haven't played the strongest opponents to start the season, I just feel like they, they have a better idea of kind of who they are and how they're going to have success, especially when you have a back four that's healthy. By the way, not including all the games that are going on around them, but Liverpool fifth in the table with seven points.
points and Leeds United 15th, obviously still very early with two points. All right, let's move on to the game where James Bench will be at, at picking hour with Leicester City hosting Manchester City. This could be a very intriguing one. Well, James, straight away, you're going to be at the game. Talk to me about it. How do you, how are you feeling about it? Um, there's, there's two things I'm really excited about, both kind of to do with strikers. Jamie Vardy, we have to say, has kind of been slowing down this year. And obviously he started the season well. Fantastic celebration against mm-hmm. Wolves, the old uh, wolf cry at Howl at the Moon. <laughs> but we've got Patson Dacca waiting on the bench. Not seen a huge amount of him so far, but ev- all of us that were watching Champions League last season, we know how good he is. But then most of all, from a City perspective, is this going to be the sort of... A, a, we now know that there's obviously no new striker coming in. So is the plan going forward now, someone like a Gabriel Jesus out wide and Ferran Torres leading the line for the whole season? You know, we've seen him do great. He scored on international duty, performing really well and some excellent poachers finishes early in the season. I thought he's... If Gabriel Jesus plays James Bench. Of course, yeah. I mean, if Gabriel Jesus doesn't play, I'm sure they'll just roll out Riyad Mahrez or Leroy, uh, not Leroy, sorry, Raheem Sterling or Jack Grealish. So I think they might cope. <laughs> yeah. No, they'll be but fine. I mean, that's, the one that intrigues me most is, is does any of, is Ferran Torres now, is he the striker? That, because to me, I don't even think he's the most natural centre forward option there. It's odd that we don't see Mares play that position more often, I think. But yeah, I think that for me, one of the things I'm going there looking at is, is Torres going to be enough? Is he going to score? Is he going to score 13 goals a season? Did the City need him to? Because Gundogan last season was your top scorer and you won the league. So I think for me, this is this is a really interesting few moments, uh, a few weeks ahead for City, whether we, where we see whether they're going to really regret not signing Kane. I don't know. I think they will. I think Kane could have added so much to this team, but I'm intrigued to see if Torres is about to emerge as a star striker. I don't think anyone saw that on the cards when he arrived just over a year ago. No, yeah, no. what I would what I would jump in and say is that uh, Man City have bounced back from that opening weekend loss to Tottenham with back-to-back 5-0 wins over Norwich and this mid-table team called Arsenal. Now, Leicester uh, have also enjoyed some success over City in the recent meetings. They just beat them in the Community Shield 1-0, so Leicester can have that going for them a little bit. And then they beat City 5-2 at the Etihad uh, last season. So there has some recent success that they can lean on, and I think Brendan Rodgers will most likely do that. My concern, though, for Leicester is their back line is a little bit decimated with injuries. No Fofana. doesn't look like Pereira is going to be available. James Justin. Johnny Evans is questionable. New signing. Uh, Vestergaard is the same. So I feel like City could punish them for that kind of hoping. You're putting players and hoping that they play well kind of thing. Without Gabriel Jesus, they'll probably still have some success. My only concern, I guess, for City is the goalkeeper position. Scott Carson if Ederson's not available to play, Zach Steffen, I think, is hurt or has COVID. He's got a quarantine. So Scott Carson, you probably never thought in a million years he'd ever play for City, just be there just in case, could get the start. Now, obviously, he's a serviceable goalkeeper, has a ton of experience. But I don't remember him being awesome with his feet. So I'm kind of curious to see how that's going to work in the City uh, lineup. That said, um, yeah, it's hard to look past City in this particular moment, given how well they played prior to the break starting. My, my curiosity is Kevin De Bruyne. because. He did not go with Belgium during the break. He's continuing to nurse his injuries. He could be available for this one. Nobody really knows for sure. Bernardo Silva actually looked very, very good for Portugal during the break. So I assume he'll probably get the start. But if KDB does start or play, because he could play that false nine. We've seen it before for Ferran Torres, and he just drops in and creates those numerical advantages in midfield. Him to get an assist anytime is plus 250. So make sure you look at the starting lineup before you make that bet. But if KDB's in, 
and he's fresh, uh, I look for him to have a some type of impact. Him to score any times plus 163. I like City to win both teams to score plus 210. is probably my overall bet. I do think at times they have given up some opportunities, especially if Scott Carson's in goal. I think that Leicester City have some options. So if Vardy starts, but then Pats and Daka comes in, you know, they, they, and Madison's playing, Barnes is underneath, they're both healthy. Telemans can be bombing forward. I mean, they've got enough to score here. And I think when they lean on the community shield and what they did last season, I think there's goals from both teams in this one. I like it. And by the way, the last 11 meetings between these two have never, have not ended in a draw. So use that plus 320 in a draw carefully if you do go <laughs> that way. By the way, I'll just give you the remaining Premier League fixtures. We got so much to discuss away from the UK. Uh, Patrick Vieira and Crystal Palace host Tottenham. So that should be a fun one. Watford against Wolves. We got Brentford, Brighton, Arsenal against Norwich City. A must win, James Manger. I feel just nod your head or blink if you need escape. And that one, yeah, that's right. Southampton host West Ham. We talked about United Newcastle. We talked about Leicester Man City. Chelsea host Villa, Leeds United, Liverpool. We talked and Everton, Burnley is the Monday game. All right, let's move on here and let's go to the, well, actually, first of all, before that, I want to do a little plug here. Okay, well, so listeners, we've reached that point of the year where we have a lot, as you can see, a lot of sports going all at once. And which is why we wanted to tell you about the CBS Sports app and how it's not just the best scoring app for your phone, but it's also where you get your breaking news, you get your stories, you get your alerts, everything from James Benji's amazing articles to Jimmy Conrad's incredible punditry. You get it all on the app. You can get all the schedules. You can do everything. And of course, if a game is airing on CBS, that means it's streaming on the CBS Sports app. Easy, right? Just download it, re-download it, and it's got everything that you need. And if you download it, by the way, tweet us. Tweet us a screenshot along with a mailbag question for us to use on an upcoming episode. Thank you, Kegolasso listeners. Get to that CBS Sports app. You can watch it anywhere. It's a really a great app, by the way. I'm not just saying that because I get a bonus every time I say it. It really, it really is good. All right, let's move to the Bundesliga. RB Leipzig against Bayern Munich, Jimmy Conrad. Jesse Marsh against Nagelsmann. Talk to me about this game, baby. <laughs> I'm nervous for Jesse Marsh a little bit. And actually, 45 minutes into the half against Honduras last night, I was like, I wonder if Jesse Marsh wants to take over the U.S. men's national team. Thankfully, though, we scored four goals in the second half, so I don't feel the same way anymore. So with regard to both of these teams, uh, Julian Nagelsmann switched from RB Leipzig to Bayern Munich. Now he's going back to Leipzig for the first time since making that switch. That'll be interesting to see how he does. I get the sense that he overcomplicates things or overthinks. I use that. I try to use that as positively as possible because he's a tr tremendous manager, but he might be overthinking this one. And I think that's what gets him into trouble. Sometimes simplifying is the way to go. Jesse An Marsh. American manager who overthinks Jimmy Conrad? Well, that's Marsh and Nagelsmann. I think both of them will probably do it True. in this one as they try to get the best of each other. Now, of course, Bayern Munich doing what they do, playing four-dimensional chess, uh, stealing all the best players from their uh, competing teams in the Bundesliga. Got Marcel Sabitzer, uh, a longtime midfielder for Leipzig. For a pretty good deal, I don't know, 13, 14 million. That seems like highway robbery to me, but it is what it is. And that's going to give them super depth, I think, in multiple competitions, Bayern Munich. Now, obviously, you can't talk about Bayern without Robert Lewandowski. He has scored in 16 consecutive games in all competitions. The guy is an absolute machine. Just hand him the ball and door as soon as humanly possible. He's already got five goals in three Bundesliga games so far this term. And Bayern have scored in 50 consecutive Bundesliga games. Something to consideration when we're talking about the bets here. 
Now, Leipzig have only beaten Bayern once in their last five attempts on home soil, so they have that, and they've started this season with two defeats in three games. It's a real must-win in some capacity, at least perform well and get a draw at the very least for RB Leipzig. Now, they do have Andre Silva, who they got for a good price for Mindtrank Frankfurt. He scored 27 goals in the Bundesliga last season. So, I don't know. He could be up for it as well. I have a couple injury concerns for Bayern. They're missing a few players. Upa Meccano, in particular, who used to play uh, for, for Leipzig last year. But let's just go with it. Lewandowski to score first is the best value you can, plus 240. These, this on Caesar Sportsbook, pretty even. So the draw and, and either team to win is all kind of flat. So it really kind of depends on where you're leaning. But the draw on both teams to score, which I think both teams will score, plus 320. But if you're feeling Bayern, Bayern to win and both teams to score, plus 250. One more thing to think about. This is my favorite bet, actually. I forgot that I saw this one. Coming from behind to win or draw, uh, for Bayern Munich, is plus 300, which seems like a very Bayern thing to do, to give up the first goal and then somehow heroically come back with Lewandowski scoring the winner in the 85th minute. So plus 300 for that, after we've seen that Bayern does have a bit of a leaky defense, is, is a pretty good value. So that's what, probably the one I like the most. Yeah, I like that one. Ben, any thoughts on this game? Yeah, so I've been absorbing a lot of Tyler Adams' discourse from afar. Yeah, yeah. I very <laughs> much enjoyed it. Everyone seems very uh, hook, het up about him. I, I, he's going to be massive for Leipzig, assuming he plays. Um, just as now, it seems like Jesse Marsh has really kind of decided he's a number six. He'll sit in midfield and, and protect the back line. You know that's a tough job, especially when it's Thomas Muller and company floating around in the areas you're supposed to marshal. I'm really intrigued. Also, one thing I'll be looking out for: um, Ilex Mariba. I probably pronounced his first name dreadfully. It's such a Leipzig thing, isn't it? You've let go of your superstar midfielder, Marcel Sabitzer, and clearly Bayern are going to be a much better team this season for having picked off every good, so many of the best players at, at Leipzig. But Mariba here, we're talking about one of the best young footballers in the world of his age group. I wonder if he'll get minutes because, you know, Leipzig as a club are not afraid of throwing players in at the deep end. Um, as Jimmy said as well, Andre Silva, an excellent striker. I think Leipzig have got and Shobosh Lai as well, who has started on fire back from his uh, injury. There's, there's real talent there. But I mean, you know, like Jimmy said, you know, it's it's quite hard to beat Bayern when they keep stealing all your best players. <laughs> you know, they probably won't play them, which is even crueler. Yeah, well, two teams that know each other very, very well. So it should be a good game. Hopefully a lot of goals. All right, let's move on. Let's go to Ligue R because PSG Paris Saint-Germain face Clermont. So, you know, this is recently promoted, Clermont, by the way. They have the best XG in Liga R, James Bench. Pretty Clermont. damn good. 8.58 to PSG 7.12. And they also like to take a lot of shots. Where do we go here? Jimmy Conrad, PSG, the uh, the ridiculous Goliath that is PSG. What do we have? Yes. So, so obviously, this is heavily one-sided for PSG for obvious reasons. They are absolutely stacked. Uh, you know, potentially Leo Messi's home debut. Will he will he start? I don't know. You know, obviously he's making that trip back from South America after the World Cup qualifiers. I don't know. Is he going to be involved in this one? Um, if him for me to, to get an assist is plus 110. I was looking at him to score first, but if he doesn't start, I think that kind of you just got to look at the lineups, everybody. So and don't that, forget Champions League, obviously. That's true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a lot to take into consideration. I sense that he'll probably get the start just so they can kind of, all right, here he is, everybody. Messi, number 30 for PSG. Uh, but for him to get an assist, I like. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for him to unlock the defense from this newly promoted team who have been excellent, by the way. So I like PSG. I just don't know whether I think uh, Clermont Foot is going to 
is going to score. So PSG to win to nil plus 106 is probably the best value you're going to get, almost even money. But PSG to win and both teams to score plus 160. Now, Clement Foot had had a 3-3 draw with Lyon. They had a 2-2 draw with Mets. Like, they coming out firing. These guys, as you said, have a great XG. They love to shoot. And one player in particular for them through the four games, Mohamed Bayo, has three goals and two assists so far. He, in, in, in three of the four games, he's had over two shots or more, okay? And you can get good value for him. Over one shot on target is plus 200. You know, he's going to have a lot of work to do to get those same opportunities against the PSG defense that can be excellent in they, when they want to be, but they usually just kind of shut off because eh, they know they're going to beat everybody by four goals anyway. So I'm just kind of curious if Bio can do that, but that's tremendous value for a player that loves to shoot and has already hit the back of the net in multiple games this season. I like it. I like it. James Bench, anything on this game? No, not really. I'm completely <laughs> indifferent to PSG. And all I can say is I admire that they've gonna they've they've spent this season making themselves so good that League One's gonna be even less competitive. <laughs> is this the trend, James Manchester? Is this going to be your theme for PSG for the entire season? I just want to be ready for it. How am I supposed to be interested in <laughs> the greatest attack ever against uh, you know, there are good teams in P in League One. I don't want you to think I'm, you know, dismissive of a whole league. But come on, like it's, <laughs> they have nerfed, they spent a decade nerfing the competitiveness of their league and discover every year, oh God, that's not good for us when we have to play good, the best teams from other countries. So yeah, I do like that they this. posted a tweet about fair play or something, PSG, right? Oh, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's very fair, isn't it? That we just are hoovering up every talent in the world. I tell you what, they will concede goals because they've been conceding goals. I, I think I think they'll concede goals, Jimmy Conrad. I don't think it's going to be like a two nothing or something. I think they, they they'll concede one, especially with the team that has the most, uh, the biggest, uh, the highest xG in in Liga. Yes, I do think that there's a good possibility, and Mohamed Bayo is going to be the guy. I mean, even if he's not scoring, he's been setting up with two assists so far through the four games. He's very very important to them. But if PSG is going to do any homework on this team, I feel like if you neutralize Bayo, it gives you a good opportunity to pretty much shut down their attack. So, yes, it's going to be heavily one-sided, I think, the PSG. And I think really what we all want to see is can Mbappe, Messi, and Neymar all be on the field at the same time, really trying to combine and connect? Because I think we all want to see what that looks like. And hopefully the Mbappe situation has been settled down a little bit. I'm kind of curious to see what his temperament looks like, what his mood looks like, and, and if he's willing to move past this. Because obviously there's a lot of stuff going on with him off the field. Absolutely. All right. We're going to do a very quick roundup of La Liga before we take a break and invite our guest, Marco Messina. By the way, Barcelona, Sevilla and Villarreal against Alaves postponed, as we mentioned, due to, you know, the South American World Cup qualifiers. But there are games and there are storylines. Falcao returns to La Liga, by the way, as Levante and Rayo Vallecano on Saturday. Griezmann returns to Atletico Madrid. He's wearing the number eight. Camavinga and Real Madrid as they face Celta Vigo. And uh, does anybody care about Getafe? Javi Pastore signed for Elche, by the way. And Isn't they're playing he, at, on Monday at 2 p.m. How old is Javi Pastore? Like 50? How old is that I guy? I, he's old. Probably right? only like 24. Which is crazy. <laughs> he's just been around forever. And it's depressing me, the fact that he can still do his thing. And, uh, you know, it takes me a while to even get a coffee. Anyway, any storylines from La Liga this weekend? Let's begin with you, James Bench. Anything that you're looking forward to? I'm really looking forward to seeing Griezmann. I think that is going to go down. And I know that's quite an obvious answer, but it's going to go down as one of the best signings of the season if he's even half as good as he was last time he was there. People, we all kind of say, oh, he's not, you know, he's not the force he was. Well, it is hard playing with Messi. It's worth it for Barcelona. But if you're a player like Griezmann, 
playing with Messi is not actually as easy as you might think. You're not going to get as much of the ball at your feet. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do. Absolute steal of a deal by Atletico Madrid. And I think we kind of have to say they're probably title favourites now, which I, I can't believe we've we've come to that situation. Yeah, the well, squad I, looks good. Yeah, go ahead, Jimmy. Yeah, no, I can with Atletico Madrid just because I feel like they've done some really good business. And now they have Joao Felix, who's coming back from his ankle injury. I don't think he's going to start, but he's starting to train again. When you add him to the mix, along with Cunha, who they got from Hertha Berlin for a really good price, and Rodrigo de Paul and Griezmann, <laughs> I like, these guys are insane. Now, I don't know if Luis Suarez is going to start this weekend, but I feel like they put together a really, really good team with a lot of depth. And yes, I agree with Benj. I think they've went from... Maybe they can do it again and repeat as champions for the first time in like 60 years or whatever. And to, they're definitely going to repeat as champions because Barcelona, I just don't think, are going to be able to maintain any kind of, I don't know, any peaks for, for too long given that they're missing the goats. And then uh, Real Madrid, I'm curious to see what Ancelotti can do there. Uh, I'm very curious to see how Camavinga fits in. I don't know if he's going to start for a while, but uh, some, some storylines that are definitely interesting is, is Hazard, Gareth Bale. You know, and then obviously just trying to work out this Kylian Mbappe thing as they start to shape for the future. And Camavinga is obviously a signing for the future. Yep. Camavinga, by the way, if you didn't get a chance, please watch his press conference. Just 18 years old, so composed, so honest, you know, born in a refugee camp in Angola as his parents escaped a Congolese civil war. Just a, an amazing story. Mm -hmm. So great mm -hmm. to see. It's his dream to play for Real Madrid. And Falcao, how could you not be happy about it? By the way, Bastore is 32, everybody. 32. He's not that old. He doctored his birth certificate. I don't that, buy that's it. That's old. As a 31-year-old, that's old. <laughs> I love it. Well, we're going to take a break. Before we do that, James Bench, we want to say goodbye to you. Any final thoughts from you, James Bench, before we say goodbye to you? Be safe when you uh, go to King Power. Anything oh, else? I certainly will be. Um, I hate I hate self-promoting. It makes me feel ill. But no, it's the CBS Sports website, um, I've got an interview with the new owner of Ascoli. A fantastic story. Um, would encourage you all to read it. Please do. Thanks for uh, listening to my nonsense. Always promote your content. It's excellent. And I encourage everybody to read it, of course. James Bench, thank you so much, brother. Uh, we're going to take a break now. Stick around because after the break, Marco Messina previews Juventus against Napoli and some of the other nine Serie A fixtures available to stream exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. James Bench, thank you, brother. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Welcome back, everybody, to Kigo Lasso, our weekend preview. And Jimmy and I are excited, delighted, so happy to welcoming the founding member of IFTV and one of the faces of Paramount's Plus Sadia Act coverage. He's already been going already for three weeks. It's absolutely just fantastic. He's so great, so passionate, such a supporter of not just the Italian game, but the game in general. I love it so much. It annoys me how young he is and how much he's done already, but I'm so happy. Marco Messina, welcome for your debut of Kegolasso. How are you? Thank you so much, man. I'm always tuning in to you guys. You're doing an absolutely incredible job. I was listening listening in just before, uh, so I'm, I'm proud to be part of it. So thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime you want to come on and give us compliments, you're welcome on the show anytime, Sounds Marco. Good. That's exactly I'll how be you, here. you buy our love and adoration. <laughs> okay, so my first question is, what's been the best storyline so far for you early on in this Serie A season? Yeah, so I, I think that over the summer, you know, Inter fans kind of went like back and forth where, you know, they lost Conte, they lost Lukaku, they lost Hakimi, they just won the Scudetto, and they're like, oh my God, it's all gone. Juventus is going is gonna to come back and win it. And it kind of balanced out. We saw in the beginning matches, Juventus has one point after playing Udinese and Empoli, which is ridiculous. And Inter has looked fantastic. So I think the storyline is that Juventus is not running away with the title. And I think... One through seven in Serie A is almost impossible to predict. I think if all three of us went back and forth and put it in order, we probably wouldn't even be right. I don't know how it's going to go. And it might be, and, and don't hate me for this, might be the most competitive one through seven in the top five leagues. No, well, I, I don't. Listen, I, that's I, I don't what we thought, right, Jimmy? Yeah, yeah. 100%. Okay. Yeah, my, one of my favorite storylines is just the quality of managers from the, the top seven teams that you're talking about. You have Mourinho, Maurizio Sarri's coming back in. Spalletti's back with Napoli. Uh, Pioli obviously turned things around with AC Milan. Gasparini's obviously a goat <laughs> in a lot of different ways. And Zaghi's getting his chance as well. It's 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 pretty ridiculous. And I, I think if people start to scratch away, you, you are not only seeing some great teams, but you're seeing some of the greatest managerial minds currently managing. Yeah, 100%. absolutely. Marco, let me ask you something. Let's stick on Juventus because you mentioned Juventus. How much does Cristiano Ronaldo's exit affect uh, Allegri's sort of objectives this season? Massively. I mean, the guy scored 29 goals last season in the Serie A. I think he had 101 goals in 134 Juventus matches. And I know there, there's like a little bit of a debate between Juventus fans who some were like, oh, right, Ronaldo was kind of like a problem for us. And then there was others like, how can Ronaldo be a problem for you? And we're starting to see, though, and unravel that Ronaldo was not the issue with Juventus not winning in, in um, last year's Scudetto. And in Champions League, both both ways, you know. But you have to replace 30 goals in a team, and that's not easy at all. And I think those kind of game changers, we obviously saw him come on for Juventus in the first match where he scored the goal, he ripped the shirt off, and then VAR took it away. But does Juventus have that sort of player as we go deeper into the season who could in one second, try to change a match. I don't know. Put some respect on Locatelli's name. You just signed him from Sassuolo. I mean, he hasn't, he's barely played yet. I know he hasn't, and I know that he's not going to score 30 goals. I'm just having some yeah. fun. So, well, so just, tell, just yeah, don't tell hang us. around with Weston McKinney, though, yeah, Jimmy, oh right? My <laughs> oh, my God. Are we, are we waiting speak? into those waters? Go. I mean, yes. <laughs> I, I guess what I wanted to say on the back end of that, then, which player has stood out the most for you early on in this Serie A season, and why is it Tammy Abraham? 
<laughs> I swear that's who I had. I'm not. I'm not saying yes. that. As a Roma I supporter, I, I, I appreciate that. Listen. Who called it, Marco Messina? Who called it? I told you Tommy was gonna kill it. This is why I listen to your guys' show. You know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, uh, Tammy has been unbelievable. I know it's only been two matches, but listen, we're Italian. We're we're a little bit dramatic. We get excited for things. All right. <laughs> He's uh, scored a goal. He's got to assist. He even sent off Dragoski uh, to get a red card as well on a great run. But he's brought a different dynamic than we've seen in the past couple of years to Roma. Because obviously, I respect Jekyll. I like Jekyll a lot. I love what he's doing at Inter. But he's a different type of player. You know, his hold-up play is a little bit different. He's not that young kid that's going to run at defenses the entire match. And Tammy has brought that to Roma. And I think mixed with Mourinho, who obviously, you know, I love Mourinho and I love that he's there. He's brought a dynamic to Roma that is so exciting. And, and to Serie A in general... He's been the most exciting player for me, you know, over the first two match days. Well, listen, people forget. The, the thing is, Tammy, because of the way he looks, people think that he's just a hold-up player. He's good in the air. He's got tremendously quick feet. Yeah. And this turnaround, like, it's a very good addition for Serie A in general. What team has surprised you the most here, uh, Marco, good or bad? Okay, so for me, and Jimmy mentioned this coach before, uh, Maurizio Sarri's Lazio has impressed me the most. Not because I'm surprised at that they're doing good. I didn't expect it this quick. Usually Sarri Bowl or Sarismo, whatever you want to call it, takes six, seven months to really fit in. But then I guess we've seen that when you have like one of the best midfielders in the world on your team, you know, things can run quickly. They've scored, I think, nine goals in their first two games, which is just ridiculous. And they've probably been the most fun team to watch. So I'm not surprised at their end goal. Like, I'm not surprised that they turned out to be a good team. I'm just surprised that in the first two games, they've done so well. Yeah, what yeah. I think is interesting yeah, about, about no about Lazio in particular and, and Mauricio Sarri's return is that they've actually given up the first goal in both games. Mm. And it's almost like they needed to get slapped in the face a little bit to kind of wake up and get after it. And when they get after it, then they score three or four in the next 30 minutes. You're like, dude, this team's amazing. Mm-hmm. What I like is that Milinkovic Savage, I think, could take a nice big step in his career playing under Sari. Uh, Lucas Leva is kind of playing in the Jorginho role that, that uh, he actually made famous at, at Napoli under Sari before he moved to Chelsea. Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, Luis Alberto, who had three assists in the last game uh, against so uh, Empoli. And, and what I like is he's got some guys that have experience. He brought Pedro over from Roma, which is unacceptable. I don't know what Pedro's doing. You never do that to <laughs> go to a rival team. And Felipe Anderson, who comes in from West Ham, who has been excellent as well. Great additions to the team. Riso Sarri clearly knows what he's doing. And I agree with you. I think they've been tremendous and a lot of fun to watch and deserve it uh, to be on top of the table with nine goals, four and one against. Is he still chain smoking like crazy? Or has he? he (laughs) Something's never changed, all right? (laughs) Something. Listen, before we get into Juventus, Napoli, Marco, I do want to promote the fact that, as you know, our CBS Sports crew for Serie A, Calcio e Cappuccino, is out. It's amazing. Talk to us a little bit about it. What can we expect this weekend? Where can we find you? Where can we find uh, all the games? Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, This Sunday, we're going to debut at our new New York City office, which is just absolutely incredible. Like I was a kid that grew up, you know, loving Serie A in the United States, and I never felt like anyone did it justice, you know, personally. And to see the team that's behind CBS that is so passionate to promote Serie A, it just brings me with so much joy. And then to be part of it is even more incredible. I think Sunday's show, uh, we got Giuseppe Rossi, who's like an icon of Italian-Americans, especially for for me, for everyone. Uh, Mike Grella as well, who's a former player. Uh, It's going to be unbelievable. I'm so excited and so stoked. We have great matches. And to start an 11 a.m. pregame show is exactly what, in my opinion, has been missing for Serie A coverage in America. 
I love it. I love it. Kate Abdo. By the way, are there more than one Kate Abdo? I feel like there's three Kate Abdo's <laughs> and they just have to, this, uh, Kate, Kate, if you're listening, I know that, uh, I talked to you a little bit in Denver. Like you, you, you need to chill. There's a lot going. That's amazing. I love it. Kate Abdo hosting Matteo Bonetti, part of it as well. Uh, Marco, of course, Antonio uh, Cincotta, by the way, that's cool. Huh? He's the Sampdoria uh, feminine uh, coach, former Fiorentina. Is that right? So he's yeah. going to be part of it. Christine Cupo. Charlie Davis, Aaron West, our boy Aaron, Drake Cordero, and of course, Fabrizio, the brother Romano. Unbelievable, but uh, amazing. So make sure that you tune in on Sunday. I'm very, very excited. All right, let's get to Napoli against Juve, Juve Napoli. Let's begin with you, Jimmy, for a second. Let's talk about those betting tips for Juventus against Napoli. Always intriguing to see what happens, especially after the international break. What do you got? Yeah, this is tough because to... Marco's point earlier, Juve's struggling. They lost at home 1-0 to, to uh, Empoli. Uh, not a good result, obviously. That was the first game post-Cristiano Ronaldo. And and yeah, it's 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 I, what I find interesting about Juve currently, and we can maybe talk about the Weston McKinney situation, but because I don't really feel like Maxi Allegri really liked him. But when Maxi Allegri first took over for Antonio Conte, they won had already won three straight Scudettos. That team had their identity. They had their core. And Maxi Allegri just had to come in and not mess it up. This time around, though, is completely different. And now he's got to have to revolutionize what this team's going to look like and how they're going to transition from some of their older players, uh, Ronaldo, obviously, and Chiellini and Benucci, and start to bring in the younger players in a meaningful way. And I think that's a much, much bigger challenge. So I'm curious to see what Allegri does here. From Napoli's perspective, I, I like Spalletti a lot. I think he's going to have these guys ready to go. I feel like you're probably not going to play Juve as vulnerable as they are currently. I feel like they're still don't really know. I like the under here, actually, two and a half goals, minus 110. I usually don't give negative things. I try to find all the positives in life, right? This is kind of a metaphor for that. But it's pretty much even money for the under two and a half goals. I just don't see a lot of goals here. I actually like Napoli to win and under two and a half goals plus 330 or the draw and under two and a half goals per plus 440. That's giving Juve... A little bit. You can bet both of those, though, and, and still come out a winner if you bet the same value. So I just don't see Juve winning it. They, they could do it, of course. And I know Marco could sit here as a Juve fan as well and, and really let us know why that's possible. I just feel like Napoli's in better form currently. And, and I think that Spalletti knows that, that Juve is vulnerable. And I think Allegri will probably do anything he possibly can to, to keep this one uh, a draw, to keep it close, and then just worry about the following weeks from here. No, I'm totally with you, Jimmy. I'm not going to argue that Juventus is going to win. I would have said the same thing. I think it's leaning more towards Napoli winning or draw. I definitely would not choose Juve winning. Uh, to your point about Allegri, what's so funny is that obviously we had Andrea Pirlo last year at Juventus where he lost four out of six uh, possible points to Benevento, right? Uh, a team that was promoted from Serie B. And everyone said, oh, with Allegri, including me, including me, I'm at Fulfers, everyone said, okay, but listen, Allegri would never lose those games. He's not going <laughs> to lose to a, city, a a team that just came. And then they tied Odinese and lose to Empoli, which just goes to show you that Serie A is unpredictable. But also, it's very likely that Chiesa is not going to be making this match. And now they're saying that Insigne is also likely to play. It'll be his 400th match for Napoli. I believe he scored in his last three games mm -hmm. against Juventus as well. Right. And I love Spalletti. Uh, Spalletti is an equalizer. He balances teams out. He gets them in a winning position. And I think that Napoli is an underrated team this year as well. Also, Osimen was not supposed to play. He got that ridiculous red card. It was actually appealed, and he only has a one-match ban. So he will play against Juventus. And the guy is, is a fantastic player. I think it's all Napoli this match. 
Uh, just yep. to jump in, uh, Lorenzo Insigne to score anytime is plus 150. For him to score first, plus 450. Mm. So, so something to take into consideration given all the stats that you said. So that's that's a good one, especially because it's his 400th game. You know he's going to be hyped for it. Yeah. Especially since Napoli are at home, by the way. And there's only been one draw in the last 16 matches between Napoli and Juventus in Serie A, by the way. That was back in 2017. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that, I don't know, I forgot what that uh, number was on the draw, but I think it's one or the other, Juventus or Napoli in this one. By the way, Allegri hasn't won any of the last seven league games. Only three managers in Juventus' history has had a longer streak in Serie A. Uh, so, you know, there's something to watch out for there, Marco Messina. Uh, I, I feel that maybe we can do the James Bench thing. Bench sometimes, uh, whatever he goes for, the opposite happens. So if we George Costanza do the opposite, maybe we'll put them that, that money. But to your point, Juventus need to pick some stuff up, especially after Cristiano Ronaldo. They need a big statement, and it needs to begin very quick, quicker rather than later. And it begins against Napoli. All right, let's keep rolling here because Serie A, a lot happening, by the way. A few other games. Marco, what are you looking at elsewhere? Atalanta, Fiorentina, Milan, Lazio. What do you like? Uh, if we touch on Atalanta-Fiorentina, I think this is an underrated match. Atalanta has been a team that it's filled me with so much pride. I mean, what they've been able to achieve and do with such little money is incredible. But this season, they're struggling a little bit. And they're also going to be without Luis Muriel, who just got injured, that they're saying is long-term. And we Zapata. love Luis Muriel over here. Oh, that's him. my guy. That's my guy. I love him. I love him as well. But to say that Atalanta is not in the best form and things are not feeling as good for them as it was last year – well, the opposite is true about Fiorentina. I really love this Fiorentina side because of one reason, and that's Vincenzo Italiano, who's a brilliant coach. The guy's not talked about much, but he his his effect on the team is already being seen. What he did with Spezia was fantastic. He obviously came in, in an awkward position at Fiorentina, where after 22 days, Gennaro Gattuso uh, left the team, but he's brought enthusiasm. I think for the first time, in years, Fiorentina fans feel optimistic. They've got Vlahovic up top who could score goals. they got Nico Gonzalez who came in, and he's already done really good. They've got a solid midfield. They have an all-around solid team. And I think the odds might I – know, I know that most people will look and they say, oh, okay, it's Atalanta. If you just go based off last year, Atalanta is going to beat Fiorentina. But I do not buy that. I think Fiorentina is going to challenge in this match. What do you think, Jimmy? Uh, I'll just say that the draw is plus 300. So – if you're feeling the enthusiasm and passion from Marco, that might be the way to go. <laughs> that said, I, you know, Atalanta without Luis Muriel is not the same Atalanta that we know and love. So I think that's a really good point to bring up and should be taken into consideration. I, I think these are the types of games though, that Atalanta have proven at least over the last mm -hmm. few seasons to get results, especially at home. They, they're, so, so I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one. I, I, I wonder though, who does the most coming out of the international break? Some managers are excellent at getting their teams with that extra rest primed and ready to go. And some teams come out and they're pretty flat. And, mm -hmm. and I haven't really looked at the historical stats to see how Atalanta falls into that, those qualifying windows post game. But uh, I don't know. It's, 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 it'd be tough to go against Atalanta right now, but they are a different side without Luis Muriel in it. Well, I had that stat as well, by the way. I had it. I'm, I'm going to try to find it. But Inzaghi, I know Inzaghi's first. Inzaghi has the best after international break. Love it. Well, Atalanta have won 30 of their 116 Serie A games against Fiorentina, only against Lazio and Bologna. Uh, they registered more victories. So there's something to be said about that. But take into consideration, everybody, after this intricate three window three match window of the international break things can get even more complicated all right let's uh quickly very quickly talk about uh milan lazio because that was that was very sexy marco 
I like that. Yeah, it is. No, no, it's a great game and two top teams. By the way, Jimmy, real quick, I got your stat for you. Since 2016, 2017, Inzaghi has 11 wins after international break. Spalletti has nine, Gasparini nine, Allegri eight, Sadi seven, and Pioli five. There you Look go. At that. Look at that. Yeah. Look at that. I'm like, what that's a what you <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Anything so, else? On the game. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. on the game. Uh, both really, really good teams. Uh, Milan and Lazio, they both started the season in, in great form. I think this is the match that we'll see. And I know it's early on, but again, like I said, we're a little bit dramatic. We have to see some things. Who is going to challenge? Like both Milan is seen as by some, by Matteo Bonetti as well, that they're going to be a Scudetto challenger, that they're going to try to you know win the league. Lazio is a team that most people had outside of their top four, but they're currently sitting in first place. And some people are starting to think, hey, this team can go for Champions League. So I think this is going to be a real decider. It is going to be a brilliant match. We have incredible players at our disposal. Lazio, I'm a little bit scared for their defense. If there's one weakness in Sadi's team, it's definitely that. And we know with Giroud and with Brahim Diaz, Milan and attack can cause them some problems. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I agree with uh, – this is going to be a great game. This might be my favorite one with all due respect to the other ones. I just think Napoli-Juve is going to be a little bit tight. Atalanta-Fiorentina, I don't know. But this one, I get why it's going to be on CBS on Sunday. I get why there's going to be so much hype because there's going to be goals in this particular game. These Both of these teams like to score. And I now we're going to see, to Marco's point, what this Mauricio Sarri ball looks like against a team that's actually pretty good with all due respect to Spezia <laughs> and Empoli, that the only two opponents they played so far – so, so they're going to run into their first real competition and, and cheer the hero Mobley. We'll see if he can continue to do what he does, even though I think playing for Italy, he did miss a sitter. I'll just throw that out there. But, but with regard to Milan and Pioli, this is, this, is a, this is a benchmark for them too. They get to test themselves early on in the season. Are we as good as we think we are? And same with Lazio. Are we as good as we think we are? And I think this is going to be a great game. I think both teams, the scores minus 170 on Caesars Sportsbook. I like the draw, to be honest. I could see a 2-2 here, plus 250. Uh, is is pretty nice. But if you want Milan to win, they're the favorites, uh, plus 122. If you think Lazio can do it, plus 220 for them to win. So if you want to couple any of those with both teams to score, everything gets elevated by about times two or times three. So something to consider. But I would look at the starting lineups because that could influence which way you want to go. Yeah, is the Italian Adam Driver playing? Sandro Tonali, is, is he around? I, I always like to see what, what he can offer. Put him and Adam Driver in the same image. I'm telling you, it's the same person. I'm telling you right now. By the way, your point about a draw, Jimmy Conrad, AC Milan have drawn more matches against Lazio than anybody else. So the draw does look good. All right, well, that's it. Before we say goodbye... I want final thoughts from both these gentlemen. It was an absolute pleasure, of course, to have Marco Messina as part of our Serie coverage on Paramount Plus. And, of course, my brother, Jimmy Conrad. But, Jimmy, let's begin with you. Give me your final word for the weekend. What do you got? Well, I'm excited that the club game is back. I've been emotionally invested in the international game, especially living and dying with the U.S. men's national team. So now it's nice to just sit back and know that my favorite clubs are probably going to get their butts kicked. And, and there's something comforting about that. I just want to throw that out there. Besides Roma and Atletico Madrid, Newcastle ultimately is the one that's going to get their butt kicked. And I'm, and I'm here for it. I, those are my expectations. But uh, I'm excited the club game's back. I'm excited to see Ronaldo again playing for Manchester United and obviously all the big games in Serie A as well. It's going to be a special weekend. I love it, Jimmy C. Marco, give me your final thought, brother. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, you know, we ended on lots of goals in Serie A. It was the league with the most amount of goals. You know, average goals. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm ready for that to, to start back up. International breaks sometimes can be a little bit boring. Now with Italy doing well, I like it. You know, a couple of years ago, I hated international break. But I'm happy that Serie A is back. 
yeah, Marco, you're talking to a Peruvian. So just, uh, <laughs> you know, just, you just enjoy what you have while you have it. But Marco Messina, an absolute pleasure, my friend. Jimmy Conrad, thank you so much, everybody. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Follow the Kegolazo podcast on Twitter, Kegolazo Pod. Subscribe to the Kegolazo page. We're on CBS Sports, your CBS Sports app. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere. Guys, thank you so much. We will see you next time.